0: Bullet cast f- 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 for life. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Under the Radar. My name is Brandy Tanguma, and I am here live in my isolation chamber. And I hope you guys are doing the same, staying safe, washing your hands, social distancing, all that good fun stuff. But there is some wrestling to talk about. We're going to go over the last two weeks of NXT television, some COVID 19 news, but let's talk ratings. Normally, we don't talk ratings here on Under the Radar or the Bulletcast, but with shows being very limited and news being very slim, I think it's a good time to talk some ratings. I love looking at the ratings and ESPN. Aired WrestleMania 30 this past Sunday they're going to be doing WrestleMania 32 and WrestleMania 34 I believe in the coming weeks and it drew a 839,000 viewers it was the highest rated show of the weekend for ESPN not saying a whole lot because with no sports no original programming really for ESPN obviously you would think that those ratings would be lower it is about the same number of the week 5 XFL game and this was the lowest rating for the XFL that it is done on ESPN so you can take it however way you want the ratings didn't plummet they didn't draw you know 300,000 people they drew 839 which is good you would assume that maybe some people that would be interested already did have the network so maybe they didn't watch it because they could watch it on the network. I know I did. I was watching WrestleMania 30 on ESPN watched the beginning and then it went to a commercial I was like, you know what, screw this, I'm not going to watch it on ESPN with the commercial, I'm just going to go to the network jump around, watch some of the stuff I want to watch and then turn it off. And that's basically what I did but uh, overall in the 18-49 demo, WrestleMania 30 averaged a, three, a .31 rating, finished 30th on the night in Cable. UFC, on that same night, aired some of their greatest fights. They re-aired a UFC pay-per-view. It finished 40, 40th in that demo with a .21 rating. So, you know, you can take this either way. It, it did draw better ratings than UFC did. But being at WrestleMania, you know, it's kind of a bigger deal, I would say. But who knows? Maybe with how we don't exactly know how long this pandemic will be going on for. And I will... Think that WWE is going to be a prime target for some of these sports networks to air some content, whether it be live or on demand, or you know, in their library, because they have such a vast library. And I was even thinking that maybe for Raw and SmackDowns, that eventually they might just go to running like best of stuff, because it seems as though ratings and the interest for these crowd-fury shows have started to have some diminishing effects. We are going to go to their ratings for yesterday's Monday Night Raw. The March 23rd episode of Monday Night Raw drew a 1.47 rating. This was down from last week's 1.66 rating, and the average thus far for 2020 is 1.62. So definitely a low rating for WWE, and it would I think this would be expected. You have the uh the no crowd there's not a lot of original stuff going on people are going to flock to the, the streaming platforms like netflix and disney plus and just you know other cable stuff that they know is going to be normal for them i think that's kind of something that might be a little underrated is when you're watching the show it kind of shows you and kind of reaffirms that we're kind of living in crazy times and it's not the same so if you watch a regular television show you kind of get lost and you kind of don't remember that you're in this this hellhole that we're in right now. But uh, a 1.47 rating is the lowest rating since December 23rd, 2019, which you could also equate it to being a holiday-esque rating, being the night before Christmas Eve. The prior lower lowest rating was on November 11th. The hourly viewership started off at 2.289 million, then dropped to 2.044 million in the second hour, and then it just collapsed in the third hour, dropping all the way down to 1.726 million. That third hour had the Shayna Baszler sit down interview with Charlotte Crusoe and also included the replay of Asuka Charlotte at WrestleMania. And the Alistair Black squash match, the Kevin Owens Seth Rollins promo, and Randy Orton. So a lot of stuff did happen in that third hour, but I think the uh, the first two hours, I think it just didn't entice them enough to stick around. And we're gonna have to stay tuned and find out how long. WWE does this. As I said, I don't know how much longer they can sustain themselves doing this kind of format. I think AEW has the right approach. It feels like a regular show. It's two hours, which does help, but as times keep going on, regulations keep changing, who knows how long that people will even be allowed to be in this type of environment. We have some other news relating to uh, the coronavirus, and on Tuesday, uh, on Wrestling Observer, Dade Melster said that both Dana Brooke and Rey Mysterio are in quarantine and will not be on WrestleMania 36. Dana Brooke was supposed to be in that six-pack women's title match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, it doesn't say exactly their medical condition or say what exactly was going on, if they were exposed to the virus, if they know someone who's exposed, who has it. Nothing of that nature just yet, but obviously this would probably mean that they're At least at the very minimum, being cautious and they don't want to be around a lot of people, which is understandable. I mean, Rey Mysterio, he has kids, he's a little older. Obviously, uh, Jerry Lawler wasn't on the show. I don't even think they really acknowledged him not being on the show, but it makes a lot of sense. Jerry Lawler in his 70s, I don't think you want to fly him out or make him travel or drive or whatever over to Florida and then put him in that environment where he is a higher risk person to contract the virus and unfortunately, you know, have severe. Ramifications to his health with his past medical history. I was just shocked that they even had him on the show to begin with, but I think they made the right choice of not having Jerry Lawler on the show. But as uh, I go back talking about WWE, I don't know exactly how long they can they can make this last. I did like the subtle changes where they move the camera going head on to the stage. You don't see as many empty seats, but. AEW, I think, has the right approach, but who knows how long this exactly will go on. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And, you know, we, we just don't know what we're kind of living day by day at this point. We, it's, not even, it's not even an assumption that Dynamite or NXT or SmackDown will happen at the end of the week. We just don't know exactly at this point. AEW had to pull the Blood and Guts match because they... Obviously, they would say that it's just not the right time and place, but another reason is health factors of having 10 wrestlers in an enclosed environment at one time, not including the referee and the cameraman and everything else that would have to go on in that match, which I understand why they did that, and AEW has pulled, started to cancel more and more shows. They have canceled the... Uh, let's see if I can pull it up here. They canceled the Philadelphia show for April 22nd, Houston, Texas on April 29th, New Orleans on May 6th, and Rio Rancho, New Mexico on May 13th. Now we are getting eerily close to a Double or Nothing with these cancellation of these shows. Uh, AEW's... Di- uh, whatchamacallit? Double or Nothing is taking place May 23rd in Las Vegas. And as you guys might know, I have already booked most of my or pretty much all of my travel expenses. I have my flight booked, my hotel booked and got the tickets purchased and everything. I'm just kinda waiting. At this point, honestly, I don't think that this event is gonna happen. All the things that I'm really look I'm hearing about we have the Tokyo Olympics being postponed until next year. From everything I'm hearing, I think it's gonna be very ambitious if we get to, you know, real world, you know, sports back up, you know, kind of getting back to normalcy at the very earliest, June and more likely July, August. So, I mean, obviously it sucks. I I hope, I mean, I'm still holding out hope that something will go down and, uh, you know, we'll kind of turn the curve and flatten the curve and just kind of turn this whole thing around. And by mid-May, we can, that could be like the very beginning of starting to get back to normalcy. I don't know if, mid-May, when you are just starting to kind of get back to normalcy, opening up some of those non-essential businesses and all that other good, fun stuff to pack in 12,000 people in an arena and have a show. Now, Las Vegas, they've completely shut down. They've been closed for almost a week now. Who knows how long they're going to be closed down. Hotels are shut down. Everything is shut down in Vegas. I just watched a video the other day of just these people going up and down the Strip and just nothing nothing on the sidewalks all the hotels just completely closed barely any cars on the streets just so eerie if you've ever been to Vegas and kind of know what goes on in that city but speaking of another city as i was talking about the tokyo olympics have been postponed till next year and new japan continues to cancel events they have announced on monday that they're are going to cancel their Sakura Genesis shows and the Road to Dantaku events. Sakura Genesis was supposed to take place on Tuesday, March 31st at Sumo Hall, while the Dantaku show was set for Saturday, April 11th. I mean, New Japan was kind of the first wrestling companies to get hit hard by the coronavirus, canceling their anniversary show and the New Japan Cup. And, you know, this is just what's going on The Korean and Japanese baseball leagues are starting to have some baseball, I almost said baseball matches, some baseball games with no fans in attendance. There have been some Japanese promotions that have run shows with no fans. So Japan and Korea are a little bit ahead of schedule compared to America. And I mean, if they're, you know, a few months ahead, so if you kind of map it out, May, that's why I'm kind of saying like May, June is like the very earliest that I could see us getting back to normal with having shows and sporting events with crowds. But I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm, you know, being pessimistic, but I'm just kind of being realistic, I think, at, at certain points. But let's go back to happier times. There's no, I didn't do a show last week, which means we didn't go over two weeks ago the NXT episode, which means we get to go back to a happier time where we watch a show in front of wrestling fans. So nice. What blissful days those were. But let's go back to March eleventh, 2020. This was not taking place at Full Cell. This was taking place at the Performance Center, but it did have fans in attendance. As always, the announcers are Maro Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness, and Beth Phoenix. They had a recap of the shows prior with the Johnny Gargano interview with Mauro Ranallo, and the closing with Velveteen Dream sitting atop the cage. The first match of the show was Keith Lee taking on Cameron Grimes for the North American Championship, and the match goes about 12 minutes. I thought it was a really good match with great psychology. I thought that even though Cameron Grimes lost the match, he still gained something from defeat, showing that he could hang with Keith Lee. Keith Lee, probably the top babyface in the company at this point, so nothing really to uh, take away from Cameron Grimes in losing this match. I could see him, Cameron Grimes, being in the pitcher for a very long time, maybe taking the title off of him, but at the end of the uh, match, uh, as Lee celebrated, Damian Priest took out Lee from behind with a nightstick. Dominic Dijakovic hit the ring to make the save, and Priest ran off. Dijakovic tried to pick up Lee, uh, and help him up, but uh, afterward Lee thought that Dijakovic was the attacker, and he hit Dijakovic with a spirit bomb and tried to give Lee back the belt. Seems as though a triple threat match might be in the works, and we've kind of seen we've seen this match before with Lee, Dijakovic, and Priest all in one. So it could be a really good match, and with Takeover canceled I'm going to get to that at the end of the show and what NXT's plans are. But this could be a really good match. Well, obviously, with no crowd, this is kind of a match fitted for a crowd because, as we've seen, those Keith Lee-Dijakovic matches are going to be very spotty. They're going to be very high energy. And with just these fans, with no fans there, it's going to be kind of weird, And especially if Maro Manalo is calling it, to hear Maro just go crazy while all this stuff is going on in the ring. But uh, next up, we have the... Uh, well, after that, Mar. welcome back, Beth Phoenix, because the week before, that was when she got RKO'd by Randy Orton. So this was Beth Phoenix, triumphant returned back to the NXT commentary table. We get Mia Yim and Dakota Kai. We get Mia Yim taking on Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez for a number one contendership for that ladder match. Uh, Mia Yim got a good pop and some really good heat for Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Mia Yim ends up getting the win in 9 minutes and 41 seconds. I think this match made sense from a storyline standpoint because they have built this feud up for a little bit. Uh, after Mia Yim, or after Dakota Kai took out Tiga Knox at War Games, Mia Yim kind of had a little side feud with Kai. And Mia Yim getting the win here makes some sense. I think... You need to get some baby faces in that mix with Chelsea Green in there, and with Dakota Kai in there, it could work out. Tegan Knox, uh, Tegan Nox is going to be in another match later on, so I guess I'll just kind of get to that. Tegan Knox takes on Diana Perrazzo and she beats her in very quick fashion, two minutes twenty-two seconds. Uh, really good. I'm very happy that they gave this quick win for Tegan, especially after the ta- after the cage match that she had with Dakota Kai, she just kind of looked really stupid in losing that match. So kind of some good, uh, you know, building her up again. So we have three of the six spots filled. I do believe Chelsea Green, Tegan Nox, and Mia Yim. So thus far we have two or two baby faces and one heel. I definitely could see Bianca Belair taking up that spot, getting Candice LeRae in that spot, which would bring it up to five, and then maybe a newer person, in the mix, but overall, good match by Miyim and Dakota Kai, and the Tegan Nox, kind of a squash match. Gianna Perazzo, someone who is kind of up and down. We've seen her a few times, but when she is, she doesn't really do all that much. Then, we get uh, Tommaso Ciampa storming into the building as a reporter asked, try to get his thoughts on what uh, Gargano said. Pulling the him off. We continue to get the Apocalyptic hype video these last couple weeks, and there you go, there's a subliminal message in there that maybe said in one week, but uh, I, I don't think that was the case because of what happens the week after. But, anyways, we get Kushida taking on Raul Mendoza, and Kushida makes quick work of Mendoza in three minutes and 58 seconds. Really good action for the short amount of time that they had. Makes sense to put over Kushida pretty strong here. He's been losing some of his bigger matches. And I do think there is still some something left in Kushida where you can use him to be a mid-card kind of gatekeeper babyface for those guys going into the main event. And I could see Kushida if NXT is not going to be the place where the Cruiserweights are at. Uh, we haven't seen Jordan Devlin in a little bit, but I still say Kushida could be a good Cruiserweight champion if that Division or whatever. I don't know what Kushida's schedule or his contract says because if you are the Cruiserweight Champion, you kind of got to go all over the place. So I don't know if Kushida really wants to do that. But Kushida, I think, is still a valuable talent on the roster. We get uh, Beth Phoenix promoting Rhea Ripley. We'll be live next. Uh, NXT TakeOver, Tampa, and yeah, that is not going to happen. So then earlier in the day, the announcers caught up with Tyler Breeze, who was putting over the Performance Center. Then Austin Theory walked in and said the Performance Center is great, but not every superstar pans out. And Breeze calmly raised his phone and took a picture of Theory. And did you... Just take a picture of me, Theory said. And then Breeze says, yeah, looks pretty good for a flash in the pan. Boom. Tyler Breeze got jokes. So at the top of the second hour, Rhea Ripley hits the ring. And she said that Charlotte Flair isn't going to intimidate her ahead of WrestleMania. She says, yeah, she feels the pressure, but she's going to knock the queen on her royal ass. I roll there. Flair's music then hits. And she bring she comes out in her street clothes to the ramp, holding Hero mic, And we get a You Don't Go Here chant by the crowd. Very nice touch there. And then a good comeback by Charlotte saying that, You guys, i made here. Boom. Gotcha. As she told Rhea to shut up and sit down, go back to Raw chant and started, Charlotte said, This is WrestleMania. It's too much, too fast, and too soon for Rhea. It's going to be too much for her to handle. Uh, Charlotte made her way to the ring, still talking. Rhea charged, and then the two brawl. Flair hit a big boot, and Rhea was down, mostly to booze. Uh, figure eight was blocked. Flair baited Rhea near the corner and wrapped her leg around the post a few times. Uh, the figure four around the ring post. Flair finally raised Rhea, uh, released Rhea and stood over top of her, soaked in the booze, and we got another you-don't-go-here chant. It was... Okay, I guess I didn't like the kinda phony one liner that Rhea was talking about when it comes, you know, yeah I'm gonna knock the queen on her royal last. Like no one really talks like that. Like come on guys. Uh, but the it really I think this feud definitely works better in the NXT environment now that there really is no environment anymore, just because the crowd is firmly behind Rhea and the crowd is firmly against Charlotte. When they were doing this in front of the main roster crowd, yeah, there were some people who knew who Rhea was, but for the most part, Charlotte was the one getting the bigger reaction. So it's kind of, if you watch both shows, or even if you just watch Raw, I think you're more inclined to just cheer for Charlotte because she's the one who you know. And I keep saying, like, Charlotte, why is she a heel? Like, she just kind of comes out, she's kind of pompous, she kind of has that smug look on her face, but it's like she doesn't really do anything too dastardly, but she doesn't do anything too great either, so who am I supposed to cheer for or care about? But anyways, I digress. Then was the uh, Tegan-Oxteanoprazo match, we already talked about that, and we get the Broserweights. Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn take it on Unisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish for the NXT Tag Team Championship. This was the main event, and the Broserweights win and retain in 20 minutes. And this match was really good, as you would to expect from these guys. Grizzly Young Vets did get involved in the finish. Broserweights do get the victory, so they're kind of building to a triple threat match of sorts which we kind of saw this coming after the kind of weeks of build with Grizzly Young Vets taking shots at both Undisputed Era and the Broserweights, but once again, with no crowd and a match like this, I really am going to be interested to see what NXT can do in this environment. Uh, Next week, they say that Candice LeRae will face Mercedes Martinez in a qualifying match in the latter match with Candice off TV. She has been, I assume, Mercedes' advantages, but, well, that match did not happen because... Anyways, we'll get to that. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa went to the ring, and the show went to commercial, hyping whatever he was going to do upon his return. Uh, Ciampa said that Gargano promised this week he'd say why he did it. He said uh, time was almost up, and Gargano showed up on the Tron, sitting in the conference room at the PC. He said he didn't forget what Ciampa did and what he did to him, and then the fans, blah, 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 Ciampa is the worst person in NXT history did he miss an apology why is this man redeemed blah 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 and then Champa makes his way to the conference call area and they just brawl all over the performance center they brawl in the hallway they brawl in the gym Champa throws a weight at Gargano's head and he ducks and it just crushes the mirror and then they go they fight back out to the performance center to the ringside area Fight some more. They go up to the announcer's perch. And then. Ciampa hits a air raid. On Gargano. Off the thing. Down to the floor. Uh, through the announce table. Bam. That is how the show ends. That is the last WWE show. With a crowd. <clears throat> and a, I mean a really good finishing sequence. A really good brawl. By those two guys. It was a little contrived at times, especially with, like, Ciampa throwing the weight and, like, Gargano took a poster that you would think would be, like, made of glass, but he just hit him and it was obviously just, like, very flimsy and made of paper. So, it was, uh, there was some contrived spots at times, but it was a really good brawl and I think it was, the show was bookend by two really good matches with the tag team title match and the North American title match. Good show. going. I'm trying to think of what AEW was putting on. That was the show after Revolution. Without that, that was a fantastic show. Probably one of the better AEW shows they put on in their history. So, once again, NXT putting on a good show, but I think AEW is just clicking in all cylinders. That's kind of hard to outdo them at this point. So, then we go back to last week, March 18th, 2020. This was a special taped edition of NXT. This was from the Performance Center. The hosts were Triple H and Tom Phillips. They were standing. If you've seen kind of those pre-shows, kind of the uh, stuff they did for NXT on the New Year's special, they just kind of stand in front of a green screen. They kind of go back and forth, and they they threw it to three separate video packages. So Triple H was kind of gregarious. He wasn't burying Tom Phillips like he was Michael Cole on SmackDown or anything like that. But they throw it to a Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano story. They This thing went on the entire hour and my god, it was fantastic. I mean, they just told, there was a separate sit-down interview with Ciampa and Gargano. I think they were both at the performance center with the stage in the background and they just kind of go step by step the entire history of them. They talk about uh, trying out for WWE, got a nice surprise appearance by Chuck Taylor in the background. They talk about Cruiserweight Classic, DIY, losing losing title matches, winning the championship, then losing, then Gargano, or then Ciampa turning on him. And then, Gar- then Champa has the knee injury, and then Gargano kind of goes out on his own, and then Gargano wins the title, then Ciampa comes back, and then we just do everything, we go back and forth, back and forth, going on for an hour, and I thought it was really well done, there were rumors and speculation of what exactly NXT was going to be doing, but... Uh, This was, as I talked about, they were advertising just a regular old show for uh, last week's episode, but that didn't end up happening. They ran this Gargano-Chompa feud story for an hour. Then they go back and they do a Finn Balor. Very short promo, just he kind of talks about he's coming back and he's going to beat Walter. This one, obviously, more up in the air because Walter is based in the UK. Travel restrictions... Don't exactly know when this is going to happen, but it will happen at some point, whether it be, you know, in a couple months or maybe at, at the end of the year or next year. But uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens there. Then we get a Rhea Ripley sit-down interview, similar staging where she was kind of talking at the Performance Center with the stage in the background. She talks about Charlotte and her road to getting to WrestleMania. Really good. I would probably say it goes Gargano-Champa, number one, then Rhea, and then Finn. They were all good in their own separate ways, but I think that the Gargano-Champa one had the most, you know, story and intrigue behind it. Rhea, I thought, was a good longer-form promo interview that they had, and then Finn. Kind of straightforward, pretty simple in what was going on now. The announcement for NXT is that they will continue to do shows. They will have a traditional show I think uh, tomorrow at the performance center with no crowd, but they will start to have their takeover matches beginning on April 1st. Now what exactly does that mean? Are they just going to have one or two matches per episode? Maybe who knows? But with two hours, we've kind of seen that WWE is definitely relying on older stuff. And NXT has a great library. It might not be as long as WWE, but dating back to two, three years ago, you have long-form takeover matches that you can put up on their... uh, on USA. Something that AEW doesn't have, so if this travel restriction, if lockdown really intensifies, AEW is kind of in a pickle because they don't have as much back catalog as a, as NXT and WWE, so if something were to happen, AEW could just put up, you know, pay-per-view recaps or just rerun television shows, which they could possibly do, but I don't think it would be as big of a draw as, a, as NXT, you know, throwing up some of their best of matches just because NXT has such a vast majority or vast, you know, great library of matches. But anyways, we're just going to have to stay tuned and find out. Now we're going to go to the UTR mailbag and guess what folks, we actually have 10 emails in the UTR mailbag. And that was because I signed up for the New York times. Cause I wanted to read a story or something about the coronavirus, And I completely forgot I even signed up for that. So when I opened up the mailbox and saw 10 emails, I was so excited But every single one of them are from the New York Times. But anyways, if you are not the New York Times, you would like to send me an email asking a question about wrestling, sports, life in general, whatever you want. Send it to utrmailbag at gmail.com. That is utrmailbag at gmail.com. Thank you all very much for tuning in today. Who knows how long I can really go on with this under the radar, just because with no NXT, who knows how long NXT will last? Not a lot of other stuff going on, but we're gonna try. Thank you very much. Goodbye and good night. Uh, Bye. <laughs>